every time we expose the lie, I am entertained. Woo! I am not entertained with all these stories of, you know, what amateurism is. Because underneath that, there's a dollar sign. Welcome, everybody, to season two to the podcast for your punk ass. Don't piss down my back and tell me it's rain. This is Dave Canton with my engineer extraordinaire, Jerry Beats. We're back again for season two. About to drop that information, drop that knowledge, keep you thinking and keep you laughing. Are you ready, Beats? Yo, you can ask Freddie if I'm ready like you're never ready. Or if you're petty, keep the gas and give it back to Getty. You hold it, boy, I'm that soldier boy telling Teddy how only the black streets were flooded when they broke the levees. I put the wall between the black and street and keep it steady. Straight out of Tulsa with prosperity and culture. So if I hear LeBron James' name one more time, in the same vein with the game's way out of line. Because you're blind to the grind, you got caught in the bind. Way ahead in your head, you're still falling behind. So season two is now upon us for a reason, dude. It's the podcast where your punk ass believe it's true. I'm with my man, Dr. Dave, because I believe in you. Ain't another brother ever better that could lead us. Screw. So hold your barrel, keep your bullets still, and if you don't put down your gun, son, nobody will. Season long, and it comes down to this. Great team we witnessed in this tournament tonight. The Nova Nation has another national championship. Fifty-three percent of Division One basketball players are African American. Fifty-three percent. In other words, half. So in other words, there's 1,000, there's 500 African Americans. But let's look at the coaches. There's only 22% black men Division I coaches. 22%. In other words, if there's 100, there's only 20. 20 out of 100, even though 50% of the players are black. You did the math. So even though I played AAU, I watched LeBron James. I went to every camp in the world, somehow that does not translate into coaching. What is it? White men are 33% of the national population, but have 84% of D1 coaching jobs. Let me say that again. 30, 35% national population, but 84% of the D1 jobs. That means they're overrepresented. You really did the math. Now, how does that happen? Look at Jeff Ben Gundy. He played a Division III school where there's even lack of African-American coaches in administrative positions. How does he get a job? There's also something called nepotism, a big word for if your father get a job, the son follows in the family business. Bobby Knight's son was coaching. We see Rick Pitino's son is a coach at University of Minnesota. We also see the recently hired Danny Hurley. Remember him? Played at Seton Hall. His father coached the great team in New Jersey. St. Anthony's. This yeah. Catholic school that now is closed. And his son, Bobby Hurley, played for Duke. National championship winner twice. Got drafted in the league. Serious accident. He's out of Arizona State. This is called nepotism. Or we can say the family business. The dad's a coach. You've been around basketball. You play. And it seems like if you're white, you get a job. African-American, you play, you play, you play, you get, as we said before on this show, you're the runner, you're the recruiter, you're the guy that goes to the neighborhood and sits on the couch, you're the guy that talks to the parent, you're the guy that takes the money and slides it underneath, but you can't be a head coach. This is a fundamental problem. 
that we're still asking these questions about African-Americans' ability to coach in a game they played their whole entire life. Shut up and dribble. So in Connecticut, Kevin Ollie just recently been fired. He won the national championship in his first year, but we see at UConn in these programs, Jim Calhoun, they don't retire. Jim Calhoun and Ollie over time had disagreements. So Calhoun is still around in the background lurking over the program. No different than John Thompson at Georgetown. How those guys still have so much influence. So Ollie got terminated. And the reality is, folks, UConn plays in the AAC. That's a weak-ass conference because they don't have good football and they're not a Catholic university, so they can't play in the Big East. So they're going to have a recruitment problem. So now they hire Danny Hurley, same salary as Kevin Ollie, to a six-year contract. So, of course, they have six years to build the program. Now, Ali turned the program around academically, but over time cannot get any talent. So it's the same old thing. So we see with Division I coaches, basketball and football, in terms of top-level salary uh, coaches, there's only five. And here they are. Number one, James Franklin, Penn State. 4.6 million. Kevin Ollie was number two with three million. Now he's been fired. You have Lovey Smith. Remember him? Coach of Chicago, uh, Chicago Bears to the championship. He'll never be in the NFL again. He's at the University of Illinois at three million. Willie Taggart, who's now Florida State, 2.9 million. So that's one, two, three, four black coaches in the top salaries of basketball and football. That's a disgrace. How are we going to improve that? What's the problem? How's this happening? And I think a lot of it may be because, remember John Chaney, when he was at Temple all those years. How many young African players did he have on his bench? That's what Mike K does at Duke. Collins, Quinn Snyder, Johnny Dawkins, Tommy Amaker. They graduate, play ball, come back, serve as assistant, and get in the game. Georgetown with John Thompson. How many of his former players became coaches? John Chaney, how many of his former players became coaches? Very few and far, far, far between. So we see we have a major problem here in the NC2A. So again, I want us to really think about that. Half of the players are African-American, only 22% of coaching. And let's go to even another level, athletic directors, the people that hire the coaches. You don't see them on TV, but they're in the press, they're in the suites, sipping on that wine eating that shrimp, shaking Booster's hands, making things happen, raising money for new buildings, the athletic directors. Now, if we look at it in Division I basketball or Division I sports, there are only 9.4% black administrators. Division II, 6%. Division III, 4%. So as the schools get more white, particularly get to Division III, there's less African-Americans in administrative positions. Even though at the Division III level, you'll still see quite a few number of African-American players. How does this happen? Do these players don't think about becoming in these positions as athletic directors? Do they all want to go pro? Are they not connected like the Hurleys and the Knights and the others? 
What is the problem? So you're saying there's a difference between Division One and Division Two, and then with Division Three, they probably fly a little under the radar than the other two, right? There are so few black coaches in Division Three. There are more women coaching men's sports in Division Three than black men coaching Division Three sports. So in Division Three school, you have women coaches coaching male sports more than black men coaching at all. Man, Division Three got some serious race issues in terms of hiring African-American coaches. Yo, that's crazy. Jeff Van Gundy played Division Three. somehow hooked up with Pat Riley. He became NBA coach. So you read their biographies, you're like, damn, how'd they get these jobs? It's terrible. It's disappointing. Plus, some of these coaches ain't playing by the rules. Uh, FBI wiretaps, as you mentioned, intercepted 3,000 hours of Christian Dawkins' phone calls. Among those calls were a, at least a couple of phone calls between he and Sean Miller in which they discussed paying uh, DeAndre Ayton $100,000 to ensure he signed with the Wildcats uh, back in, in the spring of 2017. Uh, I'm told that when Miller, uh, when Dawkins asked Miller if he should deal with one of his assistant coaches to finalize the deal, Miller told him, no, deal with me when it comes to money. But he said it wasn't me. Deny, deny, deny. They got that brother from the Bahamas. They paid him some money. Let's be real. Cash money. Paid him 100 Gs. And guess what? They got kicked out the first round. This is just a sham. Let the brother go to the league. How many times are we going to say that? I don't know why we cannot sit there and make it happen. Oh, they should do two years. We're, do, we're asking the same thing over and over and over again. We know it doesn't make sense. Oh, well, the ratings are going down to NC2A. No, they're not. You love these Cinderella stories. Why do you care? What I find out there, there's a diehard college basketball fan. Tends to be a middle, older white guy who, again, loves Hoosiers. He loves the 2-3 zone with your boy, Bayham. He can go all day about the Big East 30 for 30, and he can't stand the NBA. He swears college basketball, because it's so fundamental, is better than pro basketball. Well, let me tell you something, fan out there. That's not the case. You know, Iron Eagle, he does the Nets games, and he does pro games. You know what he said? He said the competition level is night, the skill level is night and day between college and the pros. But it's, 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 it's easy to, to, to talk about, it's easy to sum it up. All that is bullshit, it's all misinformation. The NBA is the highest level skill. Not Villanova versus Georgetown. That's the reality, but I think it just gets to the race thing. I mean, how silly is NBA's that? NBA is 80% African American. You got teenagers making millions of dollars and folks just can't stand it. I know it's important. I do, I honestly do. Bryce Harper can make his money at 15 and 16. Tracy Austin made her money at 12, but that's okay. Zuckerberg, he left school, Gates left school, but somehow we are obsessed to telling these young black guys, yo, you can't make your money. It's funny to me too. And don't tell me about the OG league and I'm not watching those games. You know, I think a lot of guys or a few gonna sit back and watch this and see. I don't even know they're on TV. I think they are, I don't even know. I'm not even gonna put them on on demand. That's just the reality. That's why I love the European model. I know y'all, I'm gonna bring him his name up, LeVar Ball, but that's the reality. The balls are getting paid. Got a Facebook show. LaMelo's not taking calculus three. 
He's taking European ball 101, running through screens and picks, getting beat up. I wanted to eliminate all that wear and tear. Because he wants to be a pro player. That's how the Europeans do it. Rubio, they got this guy coming out of Slovenia now. He's been pro 616. There's no NC2A racket up in Europe. They keep it real. Either you're going to play ball or do something else. So we hope that these conversations get to some real change, but they won't. No different than the gun violence. We'll just be talking. Condoleezza Rice will get on TV, write a 7,000-page report, and it'll be the same old, same old. One year or 19, all these excuses. So these brothers can't get paid. Oh, the basketball is bad. They can't count their money. Well, let me tell you something about Tim Duncan. Big. You know him, right, Beeks? Fundamental. Went to Wake Forest. Four-year graduate. Guess what? He lost $20 million with his agent. You see what I mean? There's no correlation between a BA degree and getting hustled. If you don't know about money, you're busy hooping. You trust the cat, he robbed him. And he went to school. Magic Johnson never finished college. He's straight. LeBron James don't have one credit hour. He hasn't got robbed. So that's another lie. Most folks don't know what to do with their money. So that's another excuse. So the whole notion about bad ball, it's not the same. They got an attitude and all this other nonsense that's rooted in racism, pure and simple about black athletes. There's no doubt about it. I don't hear it in baseball, I don't hear it in hockey, I don't hear it in golf. In those sports, you congratulate them for going pro at one and 12. Michael Phelps was pro at Olympics at 14. No one complains but only in basketball that we're so obsessed, driven. It's my life mission to keep these cats in college for nine years so I can enjoy myself. It doesn't make any sense. And don't think for one moment the money train has stopped. Well, it's funny, before the tournament we were scared, but now see the distraction? The Cinderella's. See what happened? When we went into the tournament, there was a lot of talk. When UMBC won, all these other lower seeds, now it's swept to the back again. You see how this works? No one's bringing it up. It's like it just disappeared. Right? So again, the tournament distracts us from that issue. And that's what NC2A wants. So you're not going to have uh, Barkley talk, hey, whatever happened to that? What happened to that? We're not going to talk about it. We're just going to focus on the upsets and the still around. So this was a good year. You see, because if Arizona kept winning, we keep bringing this up with Sean Miller. Might have been a good thing. When the Cinderella's win, you interview the what the nun from the school from Loyola, Chicago. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's all about image. Image, right? So now that gets pushed to the side, and then once this thing is over, we'll figure it out. Once the tournament started, you really didn't even hear anything about the scandal. And the scandal, no, not really. You see what I mean? So Arizona losing was a blessing in disguise. Virginia losing, blessing in disguise. Because now the ratings are probably still off the charts with all these no-name teams. So we're not talking about any of the scandals, Sean Miller, all the money, all that stuff is documented in reports on ESPN. So if Arizona would have had a longer run in the tournament, making it to the final eight, the Sweet 16, even the final four, then the situation with Sean Miller would have been talked about more. Oh, without right? a doubt. Why is he coaching? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Why is he out there? Yeah. <laughs> they would have been all over that, I forgot, whatever that guy's name is said, they've been all in his back. How dare he take all that money and go, right? This was perfect. 
So again, it just seems like how life is timing, right? Just this is the year where the upsets can now overshadow the money and the corruption worked out perfectly. And I'm not a conspiracy person at all, it's just how life is. UVA, Arizona, right? Kentucky lost. All the attention gets to Louisville. I think Louisville got knocked out. So now we're not talking about it. And now we're on to what? The jaw, the, 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 the purism, amateurism, yeah, right? Yeah, and in the end, you know, it was a number one seed that won the championship for a second year in a row. But meanwhile, throughout the tournament, it was the Cinderella's that, you know, were a distraction to maybe restore the image of the NCAA. Worked out, didn't it? Because now we're all in the Cinderella that, again, I said it before, that nun they keep interviewing isn't a great story. It's like Hoosiers again, the picket fence. Don't get caught watching the paint dry. Right, because that's what college ball is. Group of kids, nice, they play for free, no corruption like the NBA. They listen to their coach. They play how it's supposed to play with screen rolls. They don't just play with no discipline. So now I'm caught up in that stuff. You see what I mean? I'm not thinking about Sean Miller. Had him on tape. I'm thinking about my man Hickwood from Hoosiers. This is great. Even though my bracket got busted, I'm not talking about the gambling side because of all these Cinderella's. This worked out perfectly for the NC2A. Man, that's un this is crazy. You see what I mean? That's how it is. So no one brings it up in the studio meetings because all those teams are out. Auburn, out. You see what I mean? UCLA, out. All the scam teams are gone. Just lined up. Perfect. Then we got UMBC, great story. You want to cry. Loyola, Chicago, I'm going to cry when I see them next time. May go to church on Sunday. You see how they set that up? Kansas State. Where the hell is that, Dorothy? Right, there's no place like home. You're caught up in those stories. It's nothing like a good story. Americans, we love good stories. Chuck Person, not a good story. Sean Miller, not a good story. <laughs> it's funny, Dave, because some of these schools that you say had not so good stories that were allegedly paying players, a lot of them got bumped early. So what type of return on your investment is that? That's a good point, right? So the ones that's supposed to win, like Arizona, Kentucky, all the big schools are on those lists. But also they do another fact. I think at Villanova, those guys stay three to four years. You see, so look at Calipari. He was the one and done guru. Remember that? And Krzyzewski was so animate against it, he changed. Now folks caught up to Calipari. So now the Gonzagas, the Villanovas, we need the kid who's going to do three years. We can't go one and done. If they learn how to play discipline, learn the system and develop and improve, we can be competitive like Villanova the last decade. That's the Jay Wright program. We're not getting one and done. You're not coming to Villanova. I'm not even gonna look you up in AU in, in the summertime. I'm looking the guy the number eight on the bench, number seven, six foot eight, kind of skinny, but he comes to Villanova. He's not leaving the first year because he's not good enough. I build confidence by a junior. We have a mature team that can play disciplined basketball. The one and done model that Cal does, we have five first year students, all egocentric, not used to passing, think it looks easy on TV. You're gonna play a Villanova and not as athletic. You see what I mean? And look at Calipari's outcome now. They've caught up to him. Duke now, he gets the one and done, but he still gets the elite one and done. The very elite. With, uh, your guy, uh, what's his name, Bagley. 
the other yeah, big guy. Yeah, with the Villanova model, it's almost Jay Wright versus Wrong, you know? When you talk about Bagley and Gary Trent Jr. Who, whose dad played in the league. Right, exactly. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, well, so Calipari's in a mess. He's in trouble. I think I think something's happening. <laughs> now, I don't know, now, it's not scandal-driven, but folks caught up to him, and now he's getting all these one-and-dones, and maybe it's not that good. Could be. Could you see be. what I mean? So people change. So I think Villanova, Gonzaga, you have a strategy. I'm going to get the kids that will not leave in, th- in one year. early, yeah, because what happens is now you have the Villanova model of upperclassmen and continuity against the Kentucky model of one and duns and not for nothing, Kentucky didn't really start to gel till towards the end of the season when it seemed like they got to know each other. You know, and plus in a tournament like this, teams can really benefit or they can catch a break from some of the top seeds losing early. Right, and then like you said, these breaks, Arizona's out, these other teams are out. Life is time in Beaks. This is why I tell folks in sports, life is time. What do I mean by that? You mean that's why I'm always late. <laughs> you don't control half your life. Your birth is where your parents, you don't control that. No, I hear you. I hear where you live. So if you're the best baller in Montana, you're in trouble. You want to play hockey? If you don't live in Minnesota, Michigan, right, Canada, it's more difficult. So life is timing. Love is out of your control. Your size, where you live, your income. I want to play lacrosse. You got money, it's hard to play. So all that is out of your control. So I think for this year, you know, this is just aberration, who knows? Or we see that the bottom seeds have one thing in common, continuity and consistency. And I think coaches go into that saying, listen, we're not getting one and done, but if you just buy into the program, put your ego down, we can compete against the one and done teams who have not felt this pressure of Division I March Madness pressure. And that's really the two models, one and done or continuity. Villanova's model versus Coach K's model. And that's how we see college basketball now. That's our show for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in to this double episode, two-part series on March Madness. Uh, We'll bring you another episode as soon as it's humanly possible. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, because without you, it would only be us. The dark brown shades of my skin Only add color to my tears Oh, oh That splash against my hollow bones That rocks my soul Looking back over my false dreams That I once knew Wondering why my dreams never came true Is it because I'm black? Uh Somebody tell me what can I do? Oh Lord Something is holding me back Uh Is it because I'm black? In this well of no pity I was raised in the ghettos of the city Yeah, oh Lord Uh. Uh. Mama, she worked so hard 
to earn every penny, yeah, yeah, oh, more. Something is holding me back, uh-huh. Is it because I'm black? 